Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. I am your humble truth-speaking host, Ralph DeLugas, and we have got another packed show for you today. Um, well, some of my more favorite things. I've, I've got some just science stuff here that I'd like to talk about. There's a really interesting, normally if we want to see a, a, a newspaper article about the red-haired giants of North America, we usually have to go back to the microfilm of the 1800s, maybe early, early 1900s. After that, you know, after the, the birth of the kingdom in, in earnest in the United States, you can't get a story. But this was an actual story that made it out. Very interesting. Um, I, I know people that have actually been on digs like this. This is absolutely a thing. Um, we can only speculate because we'll never get, you know, the truth. They won't even admit they exist for some reason. But um, before we do that, I want to, let's see what we got up here. I want to, I guess, talk about a few of the signs of the times. Because ultimately, if you're not better, you know, and, and not that I have any great information. It's just, you know, for some reason, this is all I do. All I do is work and watch the the science as it pertains to signs of the times, either science to help me prepare my family and those around me, or, you know, what are they lying about and why? It just seems like that's all I do. Um, I wouldn't advise it. It's not a lot of fun. It's pretty hollow. But, um, hey, it's what I do. So, um, you know, I, many of you, I'm sure, have started to notice this, too. You can't miss it. Like, the other day, what, what Biden say that the military option is off the table. We, we basically won't do anything to save Ukraine. Like, why would you do that, right? Even if it is, you don't do that. Um, the, the transgender pushing in the military, uh, all of the uh, the people leaving the military in mass because they won't take the shot. It sure seems like they are trying to purge the military of people that were uh, that want to do what's good, right? That want to do what's right. Um, and not only the military, um, you know, National Guard and all the rest of those, but you're seeing it in police forces. You're seeing it throughout, you know, these things, uh, Homeland Security and so forth. They're purging the people like the, you know, Eric Mutsos is to use an example, you know, good people that want to help their fellow man. Those aren't going to do the, uh, those are, uh, you know, people that are passionate about fighting evil or protecting people. Those aren't going to help the New World Order's transition. And so those people are getting weeded out. Um, you don't have to look really hard in North Carolina. They're now uh, training in boot camp, uh, focusing entire um, large groups. Uh, I'm not sure if it's whole platoons or what, but um, I've read several articles on military sites that they are focusing on domestic terrorists and combating the growing threat from domestic terrorists. And if you're wondering who the domestic terrorist is, kind listener, that would be you and probably be me. Um, people that uh, believe in human rights and aren't willing to give up your property to the globalist banksters that run our world. Um, so it's something to keep an eye out for. Essentially, they are building an army of brown shirts uh, quietly and steadfastly. They've been doing it for quite a while, but it is certainly being hopped up and with all of the good folks out. But the good news is those people didn't just like move to Antarctica, right? They're still around people that are trained, people that love, love God and country and, and their fellow man. Um, so we're in good shape. Uh, but be aware um, uh, that these things are going on. Uh, things like you will own nothing and be happy. Uh, unless you don't comply, then, of course, you won't be happy. You'll be uh, locked up or eliminated. Here locally, I marveled at an article put out by, uh, we have we have a, 
disgusting tissue of horrible lies that really would be unfit for your dog to even use as a potty pad called the Salt Lake Tribune. It's owned by a globalist named John Huntsman Jr. And they put out an article um, that it is time uh, it is time that our governor, who is a, a mealy-mouthed pretend conservative, um, it's time for our governor to call out the National Guard and force these unvaccinated to stay at home. Um, you know, I just look at that kind of stuff. So much is just made to make us mad, right? I look at that kind of stuff and I just have to laugh. Like, you can give that a try. But, but you know, that said, um, in a coming day, there will be a desolating scourge and a plague. And it may well be needful to act to separate ourselves and our families to, to keep them well. Um, but Salt Lake Tribune, that will be my choice. And it will never be yours. And it will never be the National Guard's either. And it certainly won't be Governor Cox's. Um, so anyway, moving along, I want to kind of talk about some, you know what, let's, before I talk about, that's a downer, that's, I'm trying to find something that's not a downer. I don't know about you guys, I'm kind of sick of hearing about downer things. Um, I do have an interesting, I heard a, a really cool perspective the other day. I really believe, you know, some people out there actually believe that much of our Bible and scriptures are divinely chosen because um, what's happened in there shall be, shall happen to us. What has been shall be, right? Um, these scriptures come to us through time, and they teach us what can't be found anywhere else. Um, because, my friends, everything in this world, and I think this is so important, everything in this world, every governing body, every nation, institution, churches, I'm sorry, but in, in most churches, or probably all churches, are very, or have a, have infiltration of various kinds. Every single uh, institution, government, is infiltrated by the dark side now to varying degrees. Um, and they are there to deceive us. We have only one hope, and that is the hope of heaven. Um, and I've been I've been thinking a lot. It's just been really feeling worse and worse. I, I don't know how you guys, how it goes in your guys' circles, but I get a lot of videos from friends that, Look at these idiots doing that, and look at these stupid people, this and that. You know, I, I, I'm not comfortable saying that. You know what? I I don't think anybody has everything right. Um, I actually am quite sure that no one has everything right. And you should be able to trust the health department. You should be able to trust the World Health Organization, right? It isn't right that they are who they are and under banker control and I trusted him most of my life, and I don't fault anybody for believing their spiel. It is a very well orchestrated, very well packaged set of lies that <clears throat> it's very difficult to see through. <clears throat> so cut up a break, right? If they're rude to you and 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 make you mad, just answer answer back with kindness, because I think that's the way we get through this. Super interesting to me. Uh, back to the Bible, just briefly. We'll talk about this more in the last segment, but. Um, I'm, I'm so fascinated by Moses and the children of Israel. There are so many lessons in there, right? Here they come. Um, let me get to the right page. And honestly, I think honestly, the only difference between them, the Hebrews, you know, that a lot of times us Christians look down our nose at, you know, at the Jews and so forth. And, you know, we think we have the fullness or we have the whole story. The only difference between them and us is our idolatry is a lot different. We have a lot more diverse selections in our day of idolatry. But outside of that, um, 
they have the exact same problems we do. They, they're coming out of, um, they come out of uh, Egypt. They've been slaves for generations, you know, so they had a hard time figuring it out. Have we not been slaves for generations too? Of course we have. Um, and so Moses had to do a lot for them, but there came a time, and I have a point for this, and it's, it's a vaccine point, so stay with me. Um, there came a point, you know, they, you know, Moses were thirsty. Okay, well, you know, the Lord will, you know, sm I'll smite this rock. And then, you know, he parted the sea. He didn't, of course. But, you know, from their perspective, they turned to Moses. That's called the emperor-vassal relationship. It is in the Near, East and Near Eastern um, philosophies. It is throughout, right? And in a lot of American uh, civilizations, the ancient ones like those Nephites and Jaredites and um, Lamanites, all those people that lived here in America, it is everywhere. Um, so it, it isn't bad. It isn't evil or wrong, you know, but it's kind of the toddler way of doing it. You know, Moses, you go talk to God and then come tell us what he says. And we're going to, you know, kind of hang back here with what we're comfortable with, our stock reports and our video games or whatever it is. Um, so that's not bad, but you're not going to rend the veil um, of unbelief, literally and metaphorically. In that way, that's a stepping stone. It is the very lowest spiritual level. And I think we get stuck in thinking that the very lowest spiritual level is actually the highest. And that a nearly empty cup is some sort of fullness. Um, it isn't full until we have got there, until we have successfully sought the face of the Lord um, and been taught by him, right? So in Moses' day, these children of Israel, they weren't getting it. Um, so eventually... Um, God had to send uh, these uh, fiery serpents, right? Now, does it mean that God didn't care about these people? A lot of them were bitten, and it was fatal 100% of the time. Um, is not the poison that the serpent has put into so many people's bodies today? You know, it isn't, I don't believe it's helpful for anybody. And some people may well, some people, you know, many people have already died from it. But the good news is, it was 100% curable every time. And the cure was very simple, right? You guys know what it was. They had to look to God and live. Um, so maybe Jesus is an excellent strategist or the light side. I mean, whatever, whatever you want to, I don't really honestly think that the Lord cares all that much what name we use, whether you call him Allah or Buddha or Hare Krishna or Jesus or whatever, you know, Jehovah. I think what's more important is that you look to him humbly and you're good to your fellow man. So I, I think, I think heaven is excellent strategist and maybe the ropes just getting shaken a little bit. You're not better or smarter than anybody because you see the globalists and the, I mean, Davos this week, come on. I don't want to talk about that garbage. I'm sure you've heard plenty of it from other people, but it's in our face. It's out in the open global currency reset. Uh, the, the, there is no way in the next two or three years that uh, Russia isn't in, into Ukraine, Taiwan, uh, China will invade Taiwan. And two to five years, we'll see those troops on our soil. That's what I firmly believe is scriptural. Uh, the Assyrian king, America is, is ripe for um, sweeping. We honestly, as a nation, deserve to be swept. We've broken the Sinai covenant. Our founding father's covenant has... Uh, brought us great prosperity for as long as it can, but with what's going on on this land now, there's no way that that covenant can still be binding. We're, we have to, we have to, have to, have to see the opposite of it. We will have to see the covenant curses. Um, it is absolute. God's law is always um, 
executed and it's executed according to his word. So um, I'll talk about that a little bit more. Sorry for going all. Uh, that's usually that's usually in the, at the end of the show, but I, I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, so many so much is said of MK Ultra and the, and the mind control. Do you guys know what MK stands for in MK Ultra? Supposedly, what'd you say, Brian? Do you know what it is? It stands for Mind Kampf. It's a joke amongst those founders of MK Ultra. That would be Mangala and company, the the doctors, the, the Nazi doctors that came in uh, paperclip. We didn't just get all of the rocket scientists and probably the anti-grab scientists, the best and brightest out of Germany, which we didn't get them all, by the way. A lot of them went and did their own own thing for sure. But um, this this MK, they thought it would be a fun funny joke to name it MK after Mein Kampf. It's a, been a running joke at the CIA, according to uh, insiders, ever since. But we can certainly see clearly uh, who this works on and who it doesn't work on. Um, okay, I want to move on to uh, some news. I don't spend as much time anymore on current events and news. And I, I saw a few this week that really... Um, that really got me uh, thinking. Let me see if I gotta find my right FDA. FDA, bear with me briefly. Uh, okay, I want to talk briefly about our food, and and of course you guys all know about the, you know, the fluoride in the water and the geoengineering, etc. But um, I've heard this from several people, and honestly, it makes sense from a lot of perspectives. Um, this is from the FDA's website. We're going to talk about nanoparticles in our food briefly. FDA's approach to regulation of nanotechnologies and products. As a public health agency, using scientific information to make regulatory decisions about products ranging from cosmetics to chemotherapy, agents of food packaging, etc., the FDA has long encountered a combination of promise, risk, and uncertainty that accompanies emerging technologies. Nanotechnology is not unique in this regard. Materials can exhibit new or, al or altered physiochemical properties at nanoscale dimensions, which can enable the development of novel products. This is food, right? You want a, you want a novel food product? I don't know. I want, a, I want it that grew out of the ground that God made. I don't want you guys to leave it alone. Anyway, sorry. The very changes in biological, chemical, and other properties that can make nanotechnology applications so exciting, however, also may merit examination to determine any effects on product safety, effectiveness, or other attributes. So in short, they're all in, right? Nanotechnology is good. Who doesn't want a bunch of nanoparticles all over your food, right? Uh, article at risk. Nanoparticles are in your food and you're already eating them. This is kind of a downer, but we've got some good news here at the end. Um, ingesting nanoparticles can be absorbed through um, pyrus plaques or small nodules in intestinal tissue that are part of the immune defense system. If nanoparticles enter the digestive system and proceed into the bloodstream, they can move throughout the body and cause damage. Um, there's a lot here on it. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. Uh, nanotechnology, this is from uh, Nature Magazine, my very favorite, not, my very not favorite science magazine in the world. Nanotechnology has the potential to lead to healthier, safer, and better tasting foods. A, and improved food packaging. But the hesitation of the food industry and public fears in some countries about tampering with nature may be holding back the introduction of beneficial nano foods. 
does this just make you want to go out and get a big old bowl of beyond chicken or what? Right. Barf. <laughs> Barf. Don't eat. You know, honestly, I, I saw that KFC's rolling out. It's beyond chicken. I won't even eat at a place that has that. I don't know what that's made out of. It's Petri dish. It is not plant-based. It has some plant additives, but it's grown in a Petri dish by a creepy company with uh, that Bill Gates founded and, and owns and financed. And they do not disclose how they grow that creepy meat in a Petri dish. We have no idea what's in there. They use some plant coloring. They have some plant additives, but it is not the same as like a bean burger or a soy burger in the way we used to think, right? Anyway, moving on, unfortunately, it gets worse. Um, alkaline hydrolysis. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I was not. I had heard it before. Um, alkaline hydrolysis is essentially the liquefaction of dead bodies. Um, and there are articles here. I'm not going to read them, but basically these are called biosolids. Um, biosolids, human waste, uh, biosolids and human waste mixed with uh, chemicals are spread on crops. This bi on crops, this biosolid sludge is ex is expensive to dispose of because it must be landfilled. But the waste management industry is increasingly using a money making alternative, repackaging the sludge as fertilizer and injecting it into the nation's food chain. Okay, this is um. Now, I don't know why just burying the deceased is so hard and costly. Um, although, you know, obviously going to a funeral home is expensive, but I don't know if we're talking homeless populations or aborted babies. I'm not real sure where all these bodies are coming from that are so expensive to get rid of. But um, several articles here, uh, one here from the EPA on the basics of biosolids. Biosolids are a product of the wastewater treatment process. During water treatment, liquids are separated from the solids. These solids are then treated chemically to produce a semi-solid, nutrient-rich product known as biosolids. Um, goes on to uh, include uh, dead matter, including um, humans, etc., other animals. So we have a food chain that is increasingly compromised. Um, I am super, if you have any farmer's market type things around you, I have a little dairy by me and I swear I eat like two out of three meals every day from this dairy, even though they only have like five things, eggs, milk, you know, a couple simple little staples. And I do the same. I, I get as much of it into my family as I can, at least my boys, my wife's not a dairy fan, but, um, but you can't eat, you, you can't grow your own food. I don't know about you guys, but I don't have the time to, to farm and I, and I don't have the knowledge anyway. So what can you do? Um, it is a proven fact, okay, proven by the most famous study. I, I forget the professor's name, but um, the, the most famous study was done in the late 1980s. Um, I want to say it was Princeton. Uh, the effects of prayer on food and water. Now, this person was not a religious person. He had no idea who he was praying to. He probably, I'm sure, had no faith. But he just expressed gratitude, and he did use, in, in this study, he used the name of Jesus. Perhaps he was a Christian, although he said he didn't believe in God in this study. And the food and the water, when you look at it under a microscope, the water was far more fractal. And the plants, it's kind of hard to judge water, because here's the first problem. We don't have any, we don't understand water really any better than we understand a child's magnet 
or light or what's called gravity or any of these sorts of things. We only pretend that we do. So one of the best measures of whether a water is improved or not improved is in a case study against, you know, um, a control group in growing plants. And so usually these little fast growing plants, beans or whatever, are used. And in every single case, I think it was like 98%, the plants were way bigger um, just simply by having the exact same water prayed over. Um, what does that mean for you? Well, it means that you are your sons and daughters of God, my friends. Um, and do you think if you ask, ask heaven for help in cleansing the food that you're feeding your children, that you're feeding yourself, do you think that they're just going to ignore you? I assure you they will not. Um, there is science to prove it. Food becomes much more energized. Molecules cruise along a lot quicker, um, more, more nutritious, and to cleanse it. To be honest with you, every it's become my habit, and I've, I've taught my, my kiddos to do likewise. When any scrap of food I eat, whether we're in a restaurant, whether we're in line at, I wouldn't go to McDonald's, honestly. McDonald's doesn't serve any food. I don't know what that is, but I don't think that's food. But, you know, in and out sometimes or whatever. Uh, ask it to be cleansed. Ask, you know, be grateful for it. Um, always express gratitude. That's where you're going to get your spiritual horsepower from. And ask, ask uh, a loving father to cleanse it. To do, do, do for me what I can't do. I, I can't cleanse this. And I can't go make food for my family. Uh, so will you please cleanse it and help it and make it energized and fortifying to this body that you gave me. And I promise you, you'll see results. So that's what we can do about it. Because at the end of the day, God is more powerful than Bill Gates and all the banksters combined. Um, okay. Um, hey, Brian, are we running up against the break yet? About two minutes. I have not been paying any attention whatsoever. Okay, I want to, let's see here. Before, we'll save the story on Giants till after the break. Um, a quick little quote here that I forgot to use last week from uh, Einstein. And um, this kind of ties into what we're going to talk about after the break. You know, a lot of people believe that Einstein was the guy that um, gave us black holes, um, that he was the, you know, the this whole relativity. All the things we're taught, and this is throughout science, my friends, you just have, don't go to the internet, go to the library, check out some of these old books, you know, make time for some of, you know, you probably don't have time to, or maybe the interest to investigate Einstein, but take the time to investigate someone like Pastore, the, the father of vaccines. Go look into that guy. See what he really believed. And what we're taught is not what he believed. Um, so anyway, back to Einstein. Uh, the angulary theory of light also assumes the existence of a medium. We have, we have now to show that the properties of electromagnetic medium are identical with those of the lumiferous medium. Um, according to the general theory of relativity, space without ether is unthinkable. For such a space, there would not only be no propagation of light, but also no possibility of the existence for standards of space, time, clocks, and rods. Therefore, no space would exist, no creation would exist without the ether. Look up ether on the internet, you will see that it is pseudoscience and complete made-up garbage. Um, after this short break, we will dive into this a little deeper and talk about giants in Nevada.
Okay, everybody. Um, before we get to this uh, story, this is the legend of Shiti Khan. Probably saying that wrong. Saite Khan, Shiti Khan, uh, red-haired giants in Lovelock, Nevada. You know, it's kind of interesting. These giants always tend to have red hair. Um, very interesting. There's a lot of these found throughout uh, Britain and Europe as well. But um, before we get to that, I want to finish up with some science articles that are pretty important. Um, we've talked before about um, ice. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. These two articles are, are both from Nature Magazine, published in the same um, the same month, in the same journal, uh, in October. Uh, this this article, um, South Pole froze, froze over in the coldest winter on record. Um, Antarctica's frigid winter temperatures are in contrast to trends in the rest of the world, which overall records which in the overall record, it's the world's fourth hottest summer, which is complete BS made up drivel. It's not the fourth hottest summer. It's the, the, the low temp, which is in the evening, is higher in average than it's been other years. But when you add the daytime temps, which are lower in, we're actually cooler. We're, we're, we're not in an extreme either way, except for, you know, there's always a few exceptions. But overall, the world is a little teeny bit cooler than normal. This is complete made-up garbage. But in turn a couple pages over, and we see um, increasing multi-layer sea uh, ice loss in the Buford Sea, a new export pathway for the diminishing multi-layer ice cover of the Arctic Ocean. This is true. This is going to continue, my friends, and it has absolutely nothing to do with what kind of car you're driving, what you're eating, whether you're taking public transportation. It has nothing to do with CO2. Human-caused climate change is 100% made-up garbage. It is based on zero true science. There's no proof of it. CO2 is plant food. That is not to say that pollution stinks, right? Pollution's terrible. I live in a, in a valley, in, in, a, in a, a mountain valley, and we have horrible pollution. Our air stinks, and we all hate pollution. CO2 is not pollution. It is plant food. And the plants are loving it. The plankton is loving it. The earth is greener than it's been in many generations. And it's continuing to get greener because it's cyclical. Mankind only causes, and it, you know this varies on who you believe, the highest estimate is 3%. And probably more realistically, it's under 1%. Mankind is, is responsible for less than 1% of the total CO2. So even if we took every car on the planet, every factory on the planet, every cow on, well, cow, I guess, wouldn't be man, right? But if we took all of our industry and completely stopped it right now, immediately, we would lower the CO2 output by a whole 1%, which would make absolutely no difference. And I saw an article, which I'm not even, it's not even worth looking it up, but I'll just summarize it. Um, several articles, actually, you know, along with, you know, Tonga just had its little volcano, not little, pretty good sized volcano. And so, of course, volcanoes are on people's minds. And guess what now causes volcanoes? Yeah, climate change. What drivel. I, I, I've heard reports that even possibly the sun's behavior is also caused by climate change. It's absolute lunacy. Um, another article that really caught my eye. Um, 
the U.S. was struck by 25 million more lightning bolts in 2021 than 2020. Um, this is an article dated January 5th in, I think this was Nat Geo. Um, the surge in strikes was partially because of severe weather outbreaks in December. Guess what that is, my friends? The sun is waking up. And the sun is our source of energy. And our shield is weakening. This will continue until the day when we actually see tempests all over the place. Uh, lastly, I'd like to talk briefly about the hole in the ozone, not over the poles, over the South, uh, uh, South Atlantic anomaly. This is where the poles will move to. One pole, they're actually both moving to the Indian Ocean. And then, uh, as the most believable theories, we don't really know. It hasn't happened for 12,000 years on Earth. And there aren't really any good, uh, good people to report. But what we do know, and, and I think it's probably the best evidence we have is the fact that there are, you know, there, there's these wool, woolly mammoths with tropical foods uh, flash frozen in their bellies in the Arctic. Um, there is all sorts of tropical vegetation under that ice um, in, the, in, in Antarctica and in the North Pole. So in a time past, those were tropical regions. So it makes sense that as the poles are cruising to meet each other in the Indian Ocean, one of them will have to pop out somewhere and they will have to be relatively juxtaposed and this will cause the earth to to reel to and fro i think i read about that somewhere once that the earth will reel to and fro the cause of this will be the sun capital s-u-n i would add capital s-o-n and um so we've got this coming best estimate on a date for this when these when these actually here again we don't get good data um it was starting to freak people out and nasa was reporting it every day um, but when the, uh, if you guys remember when Obama was president, we had the government shut down for a week or whatever that was. Um, they reported at that time that it cost too much money to, to report that stuff. And they haven't reported it since, you know, it takes so much money to get one intern to throw that information on the internet. We just can't, mighty NASA can't afford that. So all we can do is guess, but we can come up with some pretty accurate estimations just based on the effects of the sun on our, on our, um, on our, the earth's magnetic shield and so forth, how much, you know, in the good old days, an X one, uh, flare wouldn't rock our world. Wouldn't be a threat. Wouldn't be a threat to our grid today. Hold your breath. If the sun burps one like that out. So keep an eye on that. Um, I think that's it for that. Uh, the, the ozone hole is absolute proof of, of catastrophic changes on the way. Um, they'll blame this on CO2 as well. The article that I have here, the, the, the uh, author tries in vain and he stumbles and fumbles and bumbles and mumbles over himself because even he has to admit by the end of the article, much more study is needed. So in other words, I did your bidding at NSF, so give me a whole bunch more money and I'll pretend to study this some more and I'll come up with a conclusion that you pay me to come up with. And that's science in our world. Complete lunacy. Let's go to giants. Okay, this is... Pull this up. This article from, I don't know why I don't have a date here, but it is recent. This is in the in the Shine News Post. The Legend of Shita Khan, the red-haired giant in Lovelock, Nevada. Um, these giants have been described as vicious, unfriendly. Uh, despite their modest numbers, the Shita Khan 
constituted a grave threat to the Paiutes, who were, the, who were beginning to establish themselves in the area. The Paiutes, a Native American tribe, uh, inhabit sections of Nevada, have a, narr- have a narrative concerning their ancestors and race of red-haired white giants. These ancient uh, uh, indigenous people's uh, traditions, oral traditions, are amazing. Jesus Christ came to this continent. Um, there, there are stories throughout all of the tribes uh, throughout America of his visiting here and going even f- back from there. So that every, oh, I, I think every single one I've ever looked into, I, there was a time I had more time and I looked into this a lot more, but pretty much every Indian tribe has some sort of a tradition of these giants being here. Um, so they, they, they were around, you know, we, if you believe if you believe the uh, reports from uh, oh what's that that continent that's completely covered up from the 17 as as late as 161700s there was a few villages left in asia supposedly but anyway back to this the giants have been described as vicious and unfriendly um, legend has it that a great battle took place and this is common throughout too um the paiute cornered cornered and forced the giants down into a tunnel system, heaped foliage, heaped foliage over the entrance and set it on fire with blazing arrows, resulting in their extinction in the site known as Lovelock Cave. Modern historians and anthropologists have disregarded the account as fiction and an allegorical myth, but some have argued that archaeological evidence suggests otherwise. Um, archaeologists have discovered thousands of items inside this cave during the early 20th century, uh, prompting a lengthy excavation and speculation that the legend was true. Lovelock Cave in Nevada first drew archaeologists' attention in 1924. Uh, I'll try to skip forward a little bit here. A donut-shaped stone with 365 notches uh, carved along the outside and 52 corresponding apertures was found inside. Some scientists believe it's a calendar. Um, According to the uh, approximately 10,000 archaeological specimens were uncovered, and this is 1924. So now we're getting back to the root of the matter, right? If it wasn't in the early 1900s or back, it didn't happen. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I know some people that were on these digs. Approximately 10,000 specimens were uncovered, including tools, bones, baskets, and weapons. According to the report, 60 average height mummies were unearthed. Several... Uh, much larger than normal, averaging in height, and this is, of course, oral, you know, nobody actually reported it from, um, you know, there's an, you're not going to pull this up on the Smithsonian site, um, averaging 8 to 12 feet in height. Um, a donut-shaped stone, we read that. Interesting, radiocarbon di- dating. Radiocarbon dating is like throwing an arrow at a dartboard, so, hey, that, no mind, but the dating was going back to 2000 B.C., um, and a femur dated to 1450. That actually might be right. The Jaredites, if you know who they are, they're one of the people that came here from um, oh, the Tower of Babel. Um, is that right? Tower of Babel? Yeah. Um, from uh, the descendants of Nimrod, that, that area, um, Mesopotamia. And they came about, what, Brian, 2500 BC or so? I think they went extinct. They, they died in a in a huge uh, civil war, and maybe these little bands that the Indians fought here and there, maybe these were probably because you know in these sorts. Of, this was a huge uh, civilization here in America and Canada, the uh, Jaredites, and we have we have a lot of their records. And I, I have a friend, um, 
Well, Jonathan Gray, who is no longer with us, he's an, a very world-famous archaeologist and a good Christian. And he, he's the guy, one of them, along with Ron Wyatt, that discovered the Solomon Columns and the, the Red Sea Crossing and even the Ark of the Covenant. He has a niece that works for the Forest Service, and she was on two different digs. Um, there was a, a flood, um, a, a, a riverbank was washed out, and several uh, large mummies were, were partially unearthed. Um, they went in and they started digging them out. Um, you know, she, she was going to school. I think she was like an intern or something like that. She was going to school for her master's in archaeology or whatever. Um, almost before the day was out. So as soon as word got out, um, the CIA came in. They set up a perimeter. And throughout the six weeks that she worked on this dig, when she came to work, she had to sac- she had to give them her cell phone, and um, she had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which thankfully she has not kept. Um, and then they were searched and went through scanners and everything else at the end of the day to make sure nothing come- came out from this dig. And no peer-reviewed papers. These things, as I understand it, are, are thrown into the ocean in mass. Uh, for whatever reason, they do not want this to be known, and, and it can't be just because it completely disproves Darwinian evolution. Um, we don't need any more proof to disprove Darwinian evolution. There's no proof for it in the first place. Um, I think my opinion is that there's technology that comes along with this. Um, these people, before they sunk into debauchery and civil war and destroyed themselves, they had amazing technology. Reports of that all over the world. This is, you know, watchers, book of Enoch type stuff. But, um, let me finish this article up. How close we, how long we into our segment here, Brian? I don't want to run out of time. Um, there's a long debate about the veracity of the claims made regarding the Lovelock Giants. During the initial excavations, there were, were reports of um, two red-haired giants. One was a female eight feet tall. The other was a male 11 feet tall. Today, most non-human artifacts on Earth from Lovelock Cave can be found in local museums. Of course, they'll be deeply sanitized by the CIA in local museums or at the University of California, Berkeley. Still, those mysterious bones and mummies are not easy to come by. Some believe the artifacts themselves prove that an advanced culture did indeed penetrate or or predate the uh, Paiute Indians. But whether the legend of red-haired giants is historically accurate remains unknown. Um, That's a pretty, pretty wordy pretty wordy article, but you get the gist of it. Um, I find this so fascinating. I, I really, I really, um, can't wait till the day comes where, where all things are known, where, where we get to learn real science and, and not this garbage that's taught, you know, by the, by the national science foundation and so forth. It's, it's such a racket, you know, and, and it, it really kind of baffles me. that so few, still kind of realize it. And again, you know, not their fault. If you don't, you know, it's not going to be taught in any classes we believe. And and, and probably rightfully we, we should believe, you know, good people are, are in these, are in government ran schools. A lot of good people. I had a lot of great teachers. I know a lot of really good teachers. I think Brian knows a really good teacher. Um, but the material comes from, you know, the national science foundation when it comes to science, uh, you know, the, Medical Association when it comes to medicine, and all of these have the same source, which is, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, 
Ford Foundation, which, you know, their source is the banking cartels. And so all science, you do not do science. You guys have all probably heard the term publish, publish or perish. That's the way it is in modern day academia. We don't, we don't make scientific discoveries. We make peer reviewed papers um, and hubris academics quote each other on and on and on. And they really believe a lot of things they say. Some of them might just be, you know, tools. I, I don't really know. I know I have a couple in my neighborhood. I have one, one, and I better not say, I better not share that story. Um, so, okay. Let's see here. We're going to wrap up here pretty soon. So I want to get back to the, back to good old Moses. I really like the old Testament. We, um, let me tell you why. Um, it's super fascinating. And guess what? Giants are in the Old Testament. David fought giants. They were named. They're high. Not, not just Goliath either, guys. Um, when he was king, he had uh, battles with these guys. Joshua, we know about them, the children of Israel, the giants of Canaan. It's everywhere in history. But I think the Old Testament is probably a lot. I don't know what's the right word. I don't, I don't want to say more truthful. Because the New Testament, you know, we have the teachings of, of Jesus, which are awesome. But I think the Old Testament is much less sanitized. And what I mean, yeah, we have, um, of course, the, the, the Nicaea, the, the Council of Nicaea, which was the first big purging of, of the Bible. They pulled out everything apocryphal, everything that they thought was heretic. How ridiculous, right? To go over the word of God and pull out everything that you think is heresy. That's a, that's a great way to do some editing. But then additionally, in 1611, we have the Freemasons. Uh, uh, was it Francis Bacon? I can't find it right now in front of me. But Francis Bacon um, and several others, when, when the, uh, the KJV was, when that committee was put together, um, it was all done through the uh, overseeing hand of, yeah, I can't find it. Pretty sure it's Francis Bacon. And he is a, uh, a known high-level Freemason. So what we end up with is basically, you know, the kingdom kind of translating the Bible for us, which isn't, isn't a newsflash to anybody, I know. But the good thing is, I think a lot of these older scriptures, Isaiah and Daniel and the ones from the, you know, the first five books, we can cross-reference to the Torah or the Torah and the Nahamidi and the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we can get a pretty accurate version of it. So uh, I, call, I call the Old Testament a sealed book. I think we have several of these that are sealed, but they're not really sealed. But they are sealed because we don't know what they mean. And by studying these things out, we can get a lot better of an idea of what we got coming. Um, so anyway, um, we talked about Moses and the unbelief. And, and we often think that God was patient with these Israels because they've been slaves for generations. And that may well be true. We've been likewise slaves. So let's be patient with each other, right? Everyone that doesn't believe as you believe, whether you believe the vaccine is the greatest thing since Cheerios or whether you believe it's a bioweapon and put, you know whether you believe Bill Gates is good or bad or Fauci or whatever. Um, I think... I think we need to cut each other a lot more slack. And the, the worst thing that we can do um, is to get contentious. And I've been really guilty of this, I have to admit. Um, 
Okay, and 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 here's the other really important thing. I I finally found my notes. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's really important to not trust any one place for anything. Not just for news, but for information. Don't trust any man or institution or church. Your pastor might be the best guy ever. He may have the perfect family. He might know the scriptures better than you know the back of your hand. But don't trust anyone implicitly. Okay, think of the uh, think of the um, of the uh, Hebrews wandering in Israel or wandering in the wilderness for forty years. They had to eventually be weaned from off of relying on Moses. You know, they didn't want to. We, we get kind of comfortable. It's a lot easier. It, 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 it's work, right? Anything worth having is work. Um, you know, and, and do not believe the high-level Masons and the dark bloodline families that run you know, all of the governments of this world. Um, I find myself getting contentious, and every time I do, it is very unempowering because the only way we get out of this is to help our neighbor, to love each other, and to ascend above this muck. You know, I, I look at this stuff, and it's like, I don't want to see, I don't want to, I don't want to please them. I want to fight them. I don't want, I don't want to seat at their table. I want to break the table and drag those people there to, to, flipping liberty or to, to jail or something, right? To justice. I, I get really upset at all the injustice and, and her, you know, the, the trafficking, just all the yuck that's in our world, the wars that are going to be poured out. It's just, it, it's a lot, right? Um, but like a pinned down bunch of uh, Marines, um, a pinned down group of uh, hopelessly outnumbered liberty loving patriots, us serfs in, in units, we must hold our position. We must not be moved. And above all else, do not let the enemy take us. But we must wait for backup. Wait fearlessly, faithfully, against the onslaught from an innumerable, innumerable enemy. Can't talk today. And we know that's going to come. And it's going to get worse. You know, this whole back to normal thing, if you take the shot, that's lunacy. What are we up to, like five injections now? Um, but that's okay, because others have done that in the past. And you know they're not off in some far off plane. They're not. They're not off on a cloud somewhere. Our founding fathers are with us. They're in it. A loving heavenly Father and Mother and all the holy ones of heaven are in it. Um, so we have to wait diligently. Maybe take up positions of watchdogs sometimes because all the designated watchdogs in this world, for some reason, have either become lapdogs or, you know, I, I think this is a day where it's pushing us to look heavenward. For ourselves, and each each one of us must, you know, save ourselves and our families. We can be vassal emperors from this same paradigm as Moses, as Hezekiah, and these others, King David. We can be that to our families. So we watch and we wait for as long as necessary for the One Mighty and Strong. And this guy is everywhere. If you wanna, if if you have the time and the inclination. As you read the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, start looking for the angel of the Lord, um, the arm of the Lord to be revealed. Guess what? The Lord has two arms. Not surprising, right? A left arm and a right arm. And each will be revealed in its time. Uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the bad guy is going to come out first. The Assyrian king in Isaiah, Daniel and John and others. This is the uh, stout horn, the Antichrist. Uh, in Revelation, etc. Um, stay out of this dude's ranks at all costs. 
He will deceive many. I think he's going to deceive any, everybody that hasn't uh, looked and lived, right? That isn't, you know, I, I don't know wherever you get, wherever you go to church. I know in my church, I've, I hear a lot of great things from my leadership. I've, you know, the, everybody's just doing the best they can. Just cut them a little slack. I, I know our, our uh, president of our church has said many times that if we don't uh, come to the place where we're getting, um, where we're talking to Jesus and getting our direction, our marching orders directly from heaven, we're not going to survive. I don't think truer words have ever been spoken. That is excellent advice. Also says we should take the vaccine. Well, you know what? He's a man. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to not take that advice. I'm going to choose to uh, get that from God. Um, and I do believe that once the right hand comes in, just keep a good eye out and, and read your scriptures, pray about it. And it's going to be great. It's an exciting time. I'll, I'll be honest. I cannot, I can't even pretend that I'm afraid. I've, I've, as things have been, you know, if, as you do these things and you take these steps, things become more clear. And, and rather than, you know, send your friend a YouTube video or that family member, man, I have a sister. Uh, she's thank, thankfully given up on it now. But, man, I was getting videos all the time and reports of how great the vaccine is. And it's like, honestly, you're not going to change me on that. And you're not going to change your, your friends on that, right? Stop sending them Alex Jones videos. They're not going to watch it. And it's not going to do any good. Love them. Prepare. Prepare with food. Prepare a source of heat because we don't have global warming. You can always count on the opposite being true, right? It's getting colder and it's going to get very cold and stay cold for much longer periods of time. And we're not going to have natural gas and we're not going to have electricity. So now what? There are things we can do. Start thinking about that. Ask God what you can do. Um, so anyway, we're going to run out of time. As always, um, make sure you're saying your prayers. Bless your food. Thank God for it. Um, make sure you're not getting sucked up into the great plague, which is idolatry. And tell your wife you love her and be good to your kids. Tell your husband you love him. You guys have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. Uh, God bless and goodbye.